you is who he says you is. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm so thankful that it's not about what I think I am or what I say I am. It's who God says I am. And I ain't nothing without Jesus. Amen. And I hope you can say the same thing. Friends, after 45 years of relative peace being a salty influence, amen, and also a continual leader, Tola and Jair set great examples for us last week. But after their judges' uh, leadership, here's what the Bible says happened after Tola and Jair passed away. Then the children of Israel, that's God's people, again, say again, again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, the false gods, and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord. And did not serve him. The spiritual climate in those days of Israel can be summed up in the statement, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And sadly, that is the growing spiritual climate in America today. When you don't have Jesus as your king, when you don't have Jesus as your king, you're going to do what's right in your own eyes. And when that happens, you're going to experience disaster in your life. How do you know, Bill? Well, just listen to what happened after God's people forsook the Lord and turned to all these other gods. In verse 7, by the way, this is on page 228 in the Bibles in front of you in Judges chapter 10. But listen to what happened after the people of God forsook the Lord and started serving all these false gods. The anger of the Lord was hot. Say hot. It can get hot in here sometimes. Amen. It was hot against Israel. And God sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year, those people harassed and oppressed the children of Israel, get this, for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan and in the land of the Amorites in Gilead, moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan River to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin, against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. Eighteen years. And the children of Israel cried. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, We have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and serve the false gods of the Baals. And so the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you? 
did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines? Also, the Sidonians and Amalekites and the Moanites oppressed you and you cried out to me and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Listen to this. Therefore, the Lord says, I will deliver you no more. I will deliver you no more. I pray we don't reach that place, friend. God continued. He said, Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you've chosen. Go and cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. And so the people of God, so the people put away their foreign gods. And they began to serve the Lord. And listen to this sentence. And his soul, the very soul of God, could no longer endure the misery of his people Israel. Does God sometimes change his course of action? He said, I'm not going to be with you anymore. But then he said, I can no longer endure your misery. I'm going to make a difference in your life. Friend, today, God's word teaches us about a bright light in Israel's dark, depressing history. And his name is Jephthah. Jephthah is this bright light, and I believe that his life can serve as an encouragement to every single person in this room and every single person that's listening to us online. Jephthah is rejected by his family. He is outcast by society. And he is also written off by almost every person he knows. But Jephthah overcame every single obstacle, and listen to this, ultimately became a leader of God's people. So I say, let's get to know Jephthah, amen? Let's get to know Jephthah, this man who went from a reject to a ruler. Let's continue in chapter 11, verse 1, where the Bible says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but, there's always a but in there, isn't there? But he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house because you are the son of another woman. And in verse 3, we read that Jephthah fled from his, the land of his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah 
and went out raiding with him. The first thing that jumps out in those first three verses there is the rejection that Jephthah must have been feeling. And I believe that Jephthah's rejection was nothing more than appalling because they had no reason to reject this man. But here's the reason why. First of all, they ignored the character of Jephthah. The first thing that we read in chapter 11 is that Jephthah is a mighty man of valor. Jephthah is a powerful man. He is a courageous man. He's the kind of man who did what needed to be done. He's the kind of man who would have your back when you're in battle. He's the kind of man that others look to for leadership. But they totally ignored the character of Jephthah. But notice also in the same sentence, we see the challenge of Jephthah. The challenge, the next fact that we learn about Jephthah is that Jephthah is the son of a harlot. What does that mean? Well, apparently, Jephthah's father, Gilead, made a habit of visiting with prostitutes. Visiting with and frequenting prostitutes. And Jephthah ultimately was born from a prostitute. And because he was born of a prostitute, Jephthah was marked as an illegitimate son his whole life. Like everybody here, we're all marked in some way or another. We're we're all marked with something that causes us problems in our lives. And that reminds me that we're all human. We all have dysfunction in our families. It's just a matter of how much. Amen? Amen. Can I get a testimony about that? We're all human, and as long as we live in this world, friends, we will all remain less than perfect. If you think you're perfect, look again. Amen? Because you're you're definitely lacking in humility. You're not perfect. So no matter how far up this ladder of holiness that you climb, you remember that everyone in the building is still a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. So they ignored Jephthah's character. They focused on his greatest challenge. But notice now that there was this conflict that beset Jephthah. Look back again in verse 2. For Gilead's wife bore sons, and when the sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out of the family home and said, "Uh uh-uh. You ain't having no inheritance in our father's house. You're born of another woman. Jephthah was scarred for life. Scarred for life by the actions of his daddy. His father was an adulterer. And Jephthah had to live with the stigma of his father's sins his whole life. So what's the moral of the story? Be very careful what you make your kids live with. Be very careful what you make your kids live with. Because as a result of this constant reminder of their father's infidelity, Jephthah's own family turns on him and forces him out of the family home. But I think it was not as much about the money as it was about the mama. Or was it the other way around? Because he said, "Uh uh-uh. You won't have any inheritance in our father's house. 
So maybe they were just counting their inheritance before they got it. But here's something I want to tell you today. Your earthly family may turn against you. We hope not, but it's possible. But one thing you can be assured of is that if you're saved, you're the member of a new family. And God, our Heavenly Father, will never turn on you. And your true brothers and your true sisters will never cease to love for you. They will never cease to forgive you. They will never cease to stand with you. Why? Because that's the nature of our new family. Amen. Praise God. But in spite of that conflict that beset Jephthah, Jephthah, I want you to know that there were people that were standing by him. Jephthah had companions who stood by him. After Jephthah was kicked out of the family home, he went to a place called Tob, and we're told that worthless men banded together with him. Now, worthless in this context means, well, they were jobless. Amen. They were bankrupt. They lacked purpose. And so maybe they saw in Jephthah somebody who might give purpose to their lives. Maybe they saw in their ragtag leader someone that would help them become all they desired to be. But what we do know is that as their ragtag leader, Jephthah molded this band of misfits, molded this band of outcasts into one more effective fighting force. Now, there are four lessons that I want to share with you about Jephthah's life so far. Four life lessons that you can apply to your life in Jephthah's life so far. Number one, Jephthah took a negative and he turned it into a positive. Sometimes it looks like life is against us. But if you believe, friend, that God is God, then you know that God can take the worst circumstances in your life and use it for His glory. It might even be, might even be part of His plan. Jephthah took the negative and turned it into a positive. Number two, did you know that God delights in using the unusable? Jephthah learned that. Jephthah learned that. Bill Barlow learned that. Amen. He delights in using the unusable. God specializes in using those who appear like the least of the least and using them for a vessel of honor for His glory. Jephthah took a negative, turned it into a positive. He realized that God delights in using the unusable. But did you know that birds of a feather usually flock together? Amen? Think about it. Misfits and outcasts like Jephthah turned to Jephthah. Started hanging out with Jephthah. If somebody has a true heart for the things of God, then they will just naturally gravitate toward other people who are seeking God too. So the question begs to be asked, who's in your flock? Who are you hanging with? Amen. Are you hanging with those that are seeking God? Or are you hanging with misfits and outcasts that could care less? Number four, we all know that rejection can be hurtful. But Jephthah learned that it's not only hurtful, sometimes it can be downright beneficial. God often uses 
the hostility and the attacks of other people to build our character. God often uses the hostility and the hateful acts of other people to build our trust in God. Now, how many of you would believe that character and trust in God are two great beneficial things in life? Amen? You got that. You're pretty much on go. That's a good thing to have. So, while Jephthah's rejection was absolutely appalling, I want you to see also the request of God's people that was nothing else other than astonishing. Let's go back to verse 4 in Judges chapter 11. And so it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon, get this, made war with God's people in Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to go get Jephthah. They went to go get Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And so Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Wait a minute. Did you not hate me and drive me out of my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? Why are you coming to me now when you're in trouble? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That's exactly why we've turned to you again now, that you may go with us, fight against the people of Ammon, and get this, be our head. Be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Man, the nerve of some people, amen? Have you ever said that? The nerve of some people. Here Jephthah is living his life in exile, Here Jephthah is trying to make the best of a bad situation and the very people that caused him to go in exile, the very people who are causing this bad situation come to him with this incredibly astonishing request. Now, what we need to know is, is what caused this request? What caused it? Well, obviously the nation of Israel is being attacked by these Ammonites And apparently, since he's gone, they don't have a strong leader. They don't have anybody that will lead them into battle. That's the cause of this request. But you know what? There's always a reason behind the reason. Amen? There's always a need behind the need. So what is the crux of this request? What is the character of this request? Well, the elders request that Jephthah come on back. Come on back home and be our commander. So, let me get this right. Before, before they asked him to leave, now they're asking him to leave. God's people can be pretty hypocritical sometimes, can't they? Say amen. But it just goes to show you also that you never know when God God might call you To serve Him. You never know when God might call you to do His bidding. So as believers, as God's people, we've got to always be ready. We must always be prepared when He asks us to lead. We must always be ready to say two words. Yes, Lord. Say it. Yes, Lord. You need to be making a habit of saying, Yes, Lord, 
Be prepared. Be ready to say, yes, Lord. Say, yes, Lord. Amen. You see, it's God's responsibility to open up the doors of opportunity. It's God's responsibility to open up the doors of ministry. But it's our responsibility to grow where we're planted. To grow in Christ where we are. It's our responsibility to trust Him. To trust Him to use us when, where, and how He sees fit. But I wonder, what what are these people offering Jephthah in return? What What commitment is offered in this request? Well, obviously they want Jephthah to come on back, but they want him to come back and take over. They want him to come back and be their boss. They want him to come back and take control of their lives. So let me get this right. They had no use for him when things were going well. But the minute that the bottom falls out, they come to him screaming for help. Who's that sound like to y'all? Sounds like a lot of Christians I know. Amen? I mean, think about this. Did you know that's exactly how some people treat God? That's exactly how some people treat their relationship with the Lord? Many refuse to serve Him. Many refuse to to live for Him. Many refuse to honor Him, to honor His Word, to honor His will, or to honor His house. And so what do they do? They're kind of treating God like a spare tire. They're kind of treating God like a spare tire in the car of their life. And they're just hoping against hope that the bottom ain't going to fall out. They're just hoping against hope that God is going to be ready when their life has a flat. You know what I say? Wouldn't it be much better to be walking with God day in and day out That way you know. You know when the bad days come. You know when your life suffers a flight that God's going to be there. Well, how do you know, Bill, that God's going to be there? Well, I don't know about you, but I just talked to Him this morning. Amen? I know He's going to be there because I'm walking with Him day in and day out. But listen, if you leave Him out of your life, if you leave Him out of your life, He may just let you deal with your problems on your own. I don't want to deal with my problems on my own. I need God's help. I want Him to be with Him, with me. But you know what? If I turn my back on Him, who could blame Him? Who could blame Him if He lets me deal with it on my own? So, while Jephthah's rejection was absolutely appalling, and while God's people's request was beyond astonishing... In spite of all that, the best part of the lesson today is that Jephthah's response was utterly amazing. Let's finish off in verse 9. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivers them to me, who's, who's Jephthah looking for? He's looking for the Lord to deliver them to him. Shall I be your head, he asks. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord shall be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. And then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him, get this, head and commander. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord 
in Mizpah. So help me get this right. Before, they treated Jephthah like dirt. But Jephthah's not bitter. Jephthah's not bitter about that. No, he saw past the mean-spirited actions of his people, and somehow Jephthah caught a glimpse of God's hand at work in his life. You see, Jephthah was a man that honored the Lord. Jephthah was a man who worshipped God, and he might have been an exile from Israel, but he was never an exile from God. Amen? So, friends, listen. How you treat others is a direct reflection of how you treat God. Did you know that? How you treat others is a direct reflection of how you treat God. If you can mistreat those who are made in God's image, if you can mistreat those who are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, then you got to wonder about your own relationship with God. Jephthah accepts their suggestion. And as a result, Jephthah advances his status. The people keep their word. And they elevate this reject and make him their ruler. Jephthah is the new judge. And he's given authority not only to deliver, not only to defend God's people, but he's also given authority to govern them to lead them and to guide them into a closer relationship with God. Now here's the best part of the story today. Because Jephthah acknowledges where his strength comes from. We're told that Jephthah spoke all of his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Now Mizpah was a place where his forefathers had made a covenant with God. And that's exactly what Jephthah's doing here. Jephthah is calling on the Lord to hold these people accountable for the promise they're making. He's calling on the Lord to watch over him as he prepares for battle. He's calling on the Lord to, to give him the help that he's going to need in order to win this victory. See, Jephthah knows. He knows that any victory is only going to come from one place. It's going to come from the Lord. Victory doesn't come by us. It doesn't come through our effort. It doesn't come through our abilities. It comes from God and a relationship connected and focused on Him. So Jephthah became a victor. He became a victor. Why? Because he was first a servant of God. You want to win the victories in your life? Could I encourage you to become a servant of God? The reject became a ruler. And while we probably won't become rulers in our lifetime, and that's okay, there are some great life lessons that you and I can take away from Jephthah's life. Let me give them to you. Number one, how many of you would agree that we all have strengths? Amen? We all have strengths. How many of you would agree that we all have weaknesses? You know what God can do? He takes them all. Failures and all. And He takes it and He makes something special out of it for His glory. That's the first thing we need to learn. Number two, there may be 
some cycle of sin in your background. There may be some generational curse in your family. But I want to tell you, on the authority of the Holy Scriptures, that God can break those cycles of sin today. God can break those generational curses today. If you'll yield them to Him. We all have strengths and weaknesses that He uses. And we all have cycles of sin and generational curses that we battle. But I want to tell you that God can use you. He can use you in spite of your past. He can use you in spite of your family. He can use you in spite of your failures. See, we're a lot like this $20 bill. We're a lot like this $20 bill. This $20 bill has the same value whether it's brand new. This $20 bill has the same value whether it's worn. This same $20 bill has the same value even if it's torn. This $20 bill never loses its value. And neither do you in the hands of God. Here's another lesson we need to learn from Jephthah. And that is your treatment of others reveals how you really feel about God. Your treatment of your family members, your treatment of your church family members, your treatment of total strangers is a direct reflection of how you feel about God. And finally today, I want you to know that as His people, as God's people, we're here to serve God faithfully today and just trust Him with all of our tomorrows. That's all we can do. Serve Him faithfully today and trust Him with all of our tomorrows. You know, the beautiful picture of baptism is it don't matter who you are. The beautiful picture of baptism is it don't matter where you're from. The beautiful picture of baptism, is, it means that it doesn't matter what you've done. If you will just come to Jesus by faith, if you'll just come to Jesus by faith, you can receive the gift of God. What is the gift of God? It's God's grace. It's God's salvation through Jesus. It's God's forgiveness of all sin. Past, present, and the ones tomorrow. And you can experience the gift of God. God's heaven one day. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says, you shall be saved. You know, a day like today where we're going to celebrate some baptisms here in a moment is a great opportunity for you. You see, you don't have to have all this set up. If you recognize that, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm saved, I place my faith in Christ, but I never really got that baptism thing settled. I want you to know we got towels in yonder. 
we got extra robes in there and you can get baptized today if you want to. Baptism does not save you. The waters in that baptismal pool do not save you. But they are the first step of obedience the believer has to Jesus Christ. Because Bill Barlow didn't say get baptized. Bethel Baptist didn't say get baptized. Jesus said, be baptized. Amen. So I pray if the Lord is leading you that way, you just be obedient to his word. Amen. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you so much for this great and glorious day. And yes, yes, Lord, it's been a great day to prepare for the baptism of... Mm -hmm.